Hello and welcome to Politics Unpacked, the series where we explain one of the biggest news topics of the day, then debate the issue with the TLDR team. Throughout the pandemic, the government has received criticism, and not just from Zach, about the way they've communicated decisions. Today we're going to discuss these communication controversies. This is Politics Unpacked. Any government that gains office must be able to communicate with the public. It is essential that any changes in law and new schemes to aid people financially, any health advice, any new business regulation are all understood by the population. Without this, the government is playing politics behind closed doors. When you're in the middle of a pandemic, this only becomes more important. Changes in the law become a matter of life and death and economic support for businesses becomes the difference between a business staying open and having to close. Having said that, pandemics are also volatile. Sometimes, decisions need to be made more quickly in order to stop the spread of the disease, offering little time to create an effective communication plan. In addition to this, the government has limited resources. It was only a few months ago that the government departments were focusing their attention on Brexit and the common political issues of the day. Now, they have to do this alongside managing the pandemic. So, for example, the Government Communications Service, a branch of the civil service, will have to communicate with the population about Brexit alongside their work on the pandemic. This means that many civil servants will be working incredibly hard at the moment. It's important to bear these things in mind when discussing controversial government communication. Anyway, there are currently three major controversies when it comes to government communication. The first controversy is the introduction of a temporary national lockdown. It was on the 14th of October, or three weeks ago, when Keir Starmer pressed the Prime Minister on a circuit breaker lockdown. The Prime Minister made clear his opposition to such plans, ridiculing Keir Starmer for wanting to close businesses. We know uh, that it is regionally distributed rather than nationally distributed at the moment, and that gives us a chance now to do the right thing. He wants to close pubs, he wants to close bars, he wants to close businesses in areas across the country where the incidence is low. And he wants to, that's what he wants to do, and he wants to do it now. And yet, he, and yet he voted to do nothing last night, nothing in the areas where the incidence is highest, Mr Speaker. Uh, he says one thing at, at five o'clock about calling for a national lockdown when it came to a vote in this House of Commons, Mr Speaker, to impose more stringent measures, he failed even to turn up. Starmer hit back, making clear that he supported it. Mr Speaker, I know that for someone who's been an opportunist all his life, this is difficult, this is difficult to understand. But having read and considered the sage advice, I have genuinely concluded that a circuit break is in the national interest. Genuinely concluded. Mr Speaker, it's the failure of the Prime Minister's strategy that means tougher measures are now unavoidable. That's Sage's view. Sage has advised that a circuit breaker should act to reduce R below 1, should reset the incidence of disease to a lower level, and should set the epidemic back by approximately 28 days or more. 
Nonetheless, two and a half weeks after this encounter, and the Times and the Daily Mail heard from a source that a national lockdown would be implemented in the following week, meaning this week. This made number 10 scramble to get the announcement out and stop the speculation over the weekend. The announcement was originally meant to happen Monday. Instead, they moved it to Saturday at 4pm, and then Saturday at 5pm. Eventually, the announcement was made at nearly 7pm on Saturday. Obviously, Johnson's views toward a national lockdown had changed a lot since he spoke to Starmer three weeks previously. This was prefaced by a telling off from the Speaker of the House, Sir Lindsay Hoyle. Order. Before I call the Prime Minister, I wish to make a short statement. I regret that the main elements of the Prime Minister's statement were announced over the weekend. I understand that the statement was due to be made today, but it was brought forward due to the leaks to the media. After speaking with the Prime Minister and Leader of the House, who went to great lengths to reassure me that the leaks were not from Downing Street, I expect the Prime Minister to keep the House updated on this leak inquiry. I also hope that if the leaker is identified, and if a member of this House, that member will make a full apology to the House of the discourteous and unacceptable behaviour. Prime Minister. Yeah. Mr Speaker, with your permission, I will make a statement on the measures we must now take to contain the autumn surge of coronavirus, protect our NHS and save lives. There is no alternative but to take further action at a national level. I believe it was right to try every possible option to get this virus under control at a local level with strong local action and strong local leadership. The controversy around this is obviously why Johnson ridiculed the Leader of the Opposition for backing a national lockdown when he backed one himself only three weeks later. Additionally, although the government has said that the lockdown will only last until the 2nd of December, people were beginning to wonder whether the government would U-turn. So it could be, it could be extended? Yes. National? Well, we want to be in a position where we can, uh, and I believe that this is likely to be the case, um, have uh, uh, an approach where if we bring down the rate of infection sufficiently, we can reduce measures nationally and also reduce measures regionally. Clearly then, it wasn't obvious that the restrictions would end on the 2nd of December. This is the second government communication controversy we will discuss. This is a controversy specifically because Gove's statement runs counter to the Prime Minister's statement that, without a doubt, the restrictions will end on the 2nd of December. The third controversy is not quite as recent. This takes us all the way back to the beginning of October, when the government launched a campaign to try and encourage workers to retrain. One such advert caught the attention of the public, and not in the way the government intended. The advert featured the text, Fatima's next job could be in cyber, she just doesn't know it yet. It was seen as crass and demeaning to those who work in the arts industry. So let's discuss these three controversies with both Zach and Nelson. Okay, so the lockdown that was announced on Saturday after, I think what's fair to say is a car crash of a government announcement, which is probably what we're going to be describing all three of these as. But um, yeah, we'll see. Um, so Zach, what do you think about what happened on Saturday? I think it was interesting because uh, it was sort of like 
the exemplification of the sort of the the the, the government's communications failure that has been going on for such a long time. And I think mm. it's more than just a simple communications failure. There's sort of there's almost three distinct types of communication failure within that communication failure. Mm. There's obviously um, the actual means of communication, yeah, which is what everyone's focusing on, yeah, which is the fact that they leaked it to a select few journalists. Um, yeah, so they they leaked it to the Times and the Daily Mail, um, mm. which is obviously notable because it's their favourite newspapers. It's not to all journalists. It's not like a government briefing. Um, and then that theme continued because when we had the press conference after that, they kept on leaking the details of the press conference to Robert Peston. who kept on pushing yes. that on Twitter. Mm -hmm. yep. So there was this non-stop, we're only leaking to our favourite journalists. Um, and so that's the first type of communication failure. There's this the means of communication of just leaking to select few journalists. I think that is a communication failure in itself. Go on, you're, what are you going to say? I was going to say, you're, you're talking about this as if it was deliberate from, and, and there's a distinction to be made here between government and Johnson, because Johnson himself, from what I read, was furious about the leaks. Yeah. And he mm -hmm. made assurances to Sir Lindsay Hoyle, the Speaker of the House, that it wasn't from him and that he was furious about it and everything. And Lindsay Hoyle, before Johnson's statement to the Commons yesterday, or, I mean, we're recording this now, so um, before his, uh, uh, Johnson's statement to the Commons on Monday, Lindsay Hoyle um, made a statement saying that, you know, if it was an MP that leaked this, I, you know, Johnson's leading his own inquiry into who leaked it and um, I hope that the MP will, you know, apologise to the House because this was wrong sort of thing. So... Yeah, I think you're right. there's a distinction yeah. to be drawn there because apparently Johnson didn't want to leak it. But it is no. at least, um, it says something about the government's communication strategy strat strategy generally. But mm. um, also it's it's part of a more general trend though, isn't it? You know, like they, they have a history, this government, of leaking to Robert Peston and Lawrence Koonsberg, who are just mm. their favourite mm -hmm. journalists. And um, whoever actually did the leak, you know, Johnson or whoever it actually was, it is notable that... Um, well, probably not Johnson, but, you know, it is notable. Yeah, there was only four people in the room. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's notable they only leaked it to the Daily Mail and the Times, you know, not the Guardian or the Observer or, or the iNews or the Independent or anything like that. Um, and I, Do you think that's important? The means of communication. Yeah, I do think that's no, really Which important. newspapers? Because you're, you're, the emphasis... The, I, no, I, I think it's telling. I just think it's, it, it's telling in that... For example, let's say it was only leaked to a couple of newspapers, but... And this happened often, like, it, you know, they, they, stuff was leaked, but it was leaked sort of randomly. It was occasionally leaked to The Guardian, occasionally leaked to The Daily Mail, occasionally leaked to The Express, that sort of thing, yeah? Mm. Then that would sort of be, it would be, be a, you know, that's an actual leak, you know, that's something that they obviously haven't wanted to get out, and then whoever's got the information has obviously, you know, given it to a random newspaper, whoever they've chosen. But the fact that the leaks are reliably going to the same people says something about the nature of the leaks. You know, they're obviously coming from government, and um, they're obviously not really leaks. Do you see what I mean? So what what do you, I, I do? But what do you think the benefit is from? Because the point that I was going to get out before was saying that do you think it's important that they leak to certain newspapers and not others? Is because it was published by the Times and the Daily Mail Friday night. I heard about it Friday night from other newspapers, BBC News, and things like that. You know, the, the pe people will still find out no matter how. I suppose your argument is to do with exactly how they find out, but does it actually matter exactly which newspaper it goes to if they're all going to publish the story eventually anyway? Well, it depends what you think, doesn't it? I mean, if you think that the Times and the Daily Mail get the, the sort of first chance to spin it, 
you know, then maybe it does matter because they're going to frame the debate. You know, if you leak to mm. papers that are perhaps more pro-conservative than other papers and they get the chance to frame the debate, you know, I think that probably does have some impact on um, sort of the media landscape. You see what I mean? Yeah. Who gets it first maybe does make a difference. Anyway, that was my... Mm. But you're, I think you're right. The fundamental point to, to note is that it's not about specific newspapers. It's just about the method of leaking. Yes. Yeah. 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 Which is instead of government briefing to everyone or announcements. Um, so that was the first if issue, the means of communication. The second one is the the actual substance of the communication, which is what we talked about before. It's that thing where they're, you're not in, we're not entirely sure what lockdown means again, because I think as we're about to go on to, you know, um, Michael Gove said it might be extended. And then Johnson said, oh, did he say it wouldn't be extended? And then Johnson said it would be extended. Yeah, just way around be- it was. Yeah, go just on. before we get fully on to that, I just wanted to um, ask Nelson something because I think obviously you've spoken about this yep. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think the the uh, what, why do you think it was somebody you know? Let's suppose it was somebody in cabinet that leaked it, which is what is seemingly did happen. Why do you think it was beneficial for cabinet to leak it anyway? But Johnson is coming out saying that you know he, he's furious that it was leaked. Do you think that that's just Johnson trying to you know? claim that that wasn't his own doing or do do you think that there is genuinely a rift in cabinet and that Johnson wanted to announce it the proper way on Monday to the public and another minister had their own ideas like what's the benefit to another minister leaking this I don't know I I think Johnson has been is genuinely annoyed at what's happened because from a from, from a government standpoint it doesn't make him look any better that it's been leaked and it's it's almost as if Boris has lost control of his own cabinet mm. because only, there were only Rishi Sunak, Matt Hancock and Michael Gove were in the meeting with Johnson when this was being discussed. And it, it's going to be someone who doesn't really like lockdowns, but it's the issue of no, no, who has to true. deal with it. I think the opposite could be true. It could be someone who does like lockdowns because if you're Matt Hancock and you like a lockdown, you leak the policy... And then it's immensely embarrassing for the government to come to try and, you know, once everyone's gone, oh, my God, the government's going to lockdown, to then go, oh, no, we've changed our mind. It looked like you guys didn't like it, so we're not doing it. Mm. But why voluntarily cause that sense of mass hysteria? Because we all found out on Friday or Saturday that a lockdown was coming into place. No one knew the exact details of when it was going to end, of how stringent it was going to be. So it was all up in the air. Why create that sense oh, of I panic? For the- yeah, but that's so. Yeah, if Johnson, like in your in idea, Johnson has gone. Yeah, we're doing lockdown. I'll announce it on Monday. And someone who doesn't like lockdown has gone ahead and broken the story to try and make it look rubbish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or it could alternatively be that they want to, sp- because invariably Hancock was going to have to justify the lockdown as health minister. So it's it could have been him in sort of a way of <laughs> making. Making Johnson pick up the tab. A hospital pass for Johnson. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. I think what is also possible is that Johnson hadn't decided between lockdown and some sort of like tier four thing, regional tier four measure. And someone Mm. pushed his hand. Yeah, and someone announced lockdown to try and force lockdown out of the two. Yeah. Um, I I can't think of any other reason than that, quite quite. I think this is the most likely. I mean, other than that, because all it does is it adds to this idea that government's lost... Control, control of the story like they've lost control of 
the, the how they communicate it. And even if it was deliberately leaked to a paper that they were in favour of, the fact that they had to scramble to put out a uh, briefing, which is abundantly obvious on Saturday that they were scrambling to get this done, which is, you know, through the, we'll do it at four, and then a few hours later, no, 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 we'll do it at five, <laughs> and then, oh, no, wait, no, 7pm nearly um, by the time they announced it. Um, so it was obvious that they were scrambling, and I just... I can't I can't see how that's beneficial to government. So yeah, I, unless it's some kind of like political ploy to to get Rishi Sunak maneuvering his way into PM. That's very possible. Ooh. But yeah, it's it's a strange one and I I can't see how I I don't I don't understand other than that I can't understand. But that's not to say there isn't another reason. I just I can't I can't understand it. Um but I guess we'll see and yeah. I'll be interested to see whether when we do find out if we find out who leaked it. Uh, whether they will make an apology to oh, the Commons. I don't think Commons. we will. I don't think we you don't will. think no. we'll ever find out? No, because there's only four people in that room. They're not going to start outing one of them. I mean, also, they're so important. Like, you can't, you know, realistically, if Johnson found out it was Hancock or it was Gove, he's not going to, you know, put him out, hang him out to dry in front of everyone. That's like one of your top four men. You're just going to ruin him on live TV. I mean, that's. I don't think that's going to happen anyway. I think it'll be political madness. Hmm. It'll, it, it might be named to a civil servant to, like, Oh, Glenn Cullen, yeah, <laughs> Glenn. <laughs> Think of it, references. I love that. Um, yeah, uh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. Unless, yeah, they, I mean, you're right, Nelson. That'd be pretty mean, wouldn't it? Be to pin it on a poor civil servant. Um, well, the, they've done it before. Yeah, they have. Very quickly, I'm just going to finish off the thing. I just want to say, there, I do think there are like three distinct communication failures here. One is the means mm. of communication, which we've just talked about. You know. Um, Two is the substance of communication, so like the ambiguity over what lockdown actually means. There's ambiguity over like whether it counts as gyms. There's ambiguity over like whether or not grassroots football is going to happen. And there was this is again part of a theme. There's that whole guidance versus law thing, where the government hasn't been clear what counts as guidance and what counts as law. And finally, yeah. there's a communication failure within the Conservative Party, which is probably what's most important to Johnson, um, mm -hmm. in that uh, his inability to the, 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 essentially the fact that Conservative MPs don't know ahead of time what's yeah. going to happen um and that is a complete failure of communication and a political failure as well because that probably had costs johnson the most political capital yeah um because conservative mps are furious with him for this sort of thing steve baker and friends are going to be furious baker. again it's 1984 yeah um yeah <laughs> yeah i wonder how many more errors like this it's going to take before he starts referencing boris johnson as big brother oh god could you imagine that i mean how much i think we need a countdown clock to that event <laughs> wasn't steve baker a bit receptive to the lockdown it was it was uh, graham brady that wasn't at all receptive oh, was it oh right i just I, from what i've heard oh, about baker's steve not baker. receptive about it either baker doesn't yeah. like lockdown um yeah but he, he he says something like you can't wear a shirt that he, says 1984 is 2020 and back lockdown i just i don't think that can happen <laughs> um also his twitter's full of stuff about how they, they you know they shouldn't be doing it or at least they should be letting leaving certain things open yeah Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I think those are the three. Like, there are three distinct threads to that. You see what I mean? And um, yeah, yeah. And linked to that, as you as you were bringing up earlier, was the Gove thing. Yeah. Um, was does lockdown actually end on the second, or will it be extended? And I think that's an even bigger. I think that's actually a bigger failure than than the whole yeah. scrambling on Saturday, because you've got so many businesses that have already you know done everything they can to be COVID compliant. Um, and then they've had a couple of months to open, then out of nowhere, you've got like, what, five days 
to prepare for another lockdown and having to close and it's just all the hospitality venues everything like that and I think this actually comes down to maybe something in the government's defence as, as infuriating as that probably is and as much as it does probably come across as a failure of government communications and I'm sure that's what you're going to portray it as Zach and I'd probably agree with you largely on that but <laughs> the only thing in the government's defence here is that decisions have to be made quite quickly and, and swiftly to deal with the virus um, and I think that that's where people are I think that's the only argument in the government's favour is no, that when they announce argument. something they've got they have to make some you know have to make a decision really quickly and yes that's going to upset some people but that's just the way that things are going to have to happen to get on top of the virus um no, but anyway that, yeah. I agree. I think this, for some of those things like let's say you say oh it's going to be it's going to be that's the final date December the 2nd that's all we're doing no ifs no buts yeah mm. but then you go some valance comes to you or witty goes oh you know we've seen these numbers it looks like you might have to oh you know extend or even shorten lockdown and then you go oh actually we've got new data we might change our mind that's fair enough but um yeah. that's obviously not what happened there they just didn't know what their yeah. own policy was yeah and and, and that's uh, so i can see i can see the perspective of there needs to be some flexibility, but be honest and say that we need flexibility. Yes. It's yeah, yeah. the seemingly contradictory statements that we're getting. Like Gove said, yes, there might be an extension. Johnson said, no, there won't be an extension. Rishi said, yes, there might be an extension. It's if, if you want flexibility in your plan, say we'll be flexible, but don't keep going backwards and forth. Well, this, is, this is the issue. There's, there's two things that I think... What I said, I still stand by, that decisions have to be made quickly, but there's, there's two things here. Number one is make sure that you and your ministers are saying the same thing. Gove mm -hmm. and Johnson, whatever your decision, make sure that government comes across as a united front. I mean, that's surely the basis of any government, is that you're all working for the same team, you're all presenting the same message. And that wasn't apparent with Gove suggesting that the lockdown could be extended and Johnson saying unequivocally it won't be and secondly don't promise it's unequivocally not going to be extended if there's even a possibility of a u-turn because all those businesses that are you know have taken on staff promised to pay them doing all the right things you know keeping you know the local economies going um and then having to close at the last minute, it must be absolutely infuriating for them. And what must be even more infuriating is planning for that winter period, knowing that, you know, 2nd of December is when we can reopen, starting to take employees on, doing all of that only for on the 2nd, after being promised that they were going to be able to reopen, that lockdown would, would end, that it's then going to be extended. And I just don't think that's a promise that they can make. I really don't think it is a promise you can make if you're going to be informed by the science. Because as you said, Nelson, if, or I, I can't remember if it was you or Zach that said this, but um, if, you know, Valance or Witty comes out and says, yes, we're going to extend, um, yes, or, or the science suggests we're going to have to extend the lockdown, then fair enough, they're going to have to do that. But for all those businesses that worked on the promise that it wouldn't be extended, are going to be, feel seriously annoyed by that. So I just, I, I don't think that's a promise you can make, and I think they should have stuck by what Gove said on Sunday. Mm -hmm. It's the same with the furlough scheme. The furlough scheme was announced, was extended on the very last day of the scheme. So people had already been let off from their jobs, and now there's this rush of, oh, can I get back on the furlough scheme? Luckily, um, it's been confirmed by Martin Lewis that, yes, if you were on the furlough scheme, your employer can, if they want to, put you back on. But it's still, no one predicted this lockdown would happen on the very last day of furlough. So mm. it's, we, it needed to be extended. It's just 
the fact that throughout the last few months, it's been no furlough will end on this date, no ifs, no buts. And, and then they announced... Sorry, uh, what would have happened on Monday if the speech was Monday? Because then it, there'd have been, what, a two-day gap between furlough ending uh, and... Yeah, so they plan to announce, uh, they plan to bring in the new job support scheme that pays your the, pays a certain percentage of your wages not worked. But that's now been completely delayed until the end of the furlough scheme. So I assume they would have just backdated the furlough scheme a bit. Right, okay. I mean, it's another. It's another good point. Um, what What do you make? What do you make of the the argument I made, Zach, about the um, need to say that the lockdown could be extended on the second? By the way, I feel like you of all people would have strong oh, opinions. No, on that. I just think I think I think you're probably right in terms of you know it's the more practical stance to take, isn't it? You know what I mean? Um, it's the, also the more realistic stance to take. Things might change, and you can't really control that. But then again, there's also the pushing against that there's the political value of apparent certainty. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You just look at... I mean, that's mm. probably why they've done it. Johnson knows he looks a little bit flimsy. And also all of those slight lockdown sceptics who are now going to move to Nigel Farage's party are going to mm. get really pissed off if he says, oh, we might extend it a couple of weeks um, because then it'll be the whole, you know, <laughs> it'll be Steve Baker going on like, you know, is he going to extend it a year until 2089? <laughs> and then, you know, that'll be that'll be all the lockdown sceptics off to Nigel Farage's party or whatever it's going to be. So, yeah, mm. I think it was essentially a political calculation. Right. I think this issue could have been a bit better handled if, if the government published some sort of criteria as to how we'd leave lockdown. So if they said the R rate has to be below one, hospitalizations have to be stable for three or four constant days, that would give some degree of certainty without absolutely tying their hands. So it's like if they said oh, we'll consider it when this criteria is met. That sort of gets a nice balance, mm. but it's but how do we get that balance right? And then that brings up the issues of when a lockdown is even right. Mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a tough one, isn't it, all of this? Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the, the one thing that I do want to point out is that government, and people seem to not, don't seem to understand this point, that... The civil servants who are who are you know working hard and you know that, like the, the um, government communication service and everything else, they have to deal with all of the things they normally have to, with all of the pandemic stuff that's, that's been going on and all mm-hmm. the pandemic planning. And I, I, I brought this up. I can't remember where. Maybe it was the last podcast or something. But I brought this up that Koonsberg did a really good article a couple of months ago, basically saying that cabinet government is not usually fit for managing national crises you know even in small you know in comparison to this small scale economic crises they are pushed so i think people do need to you know understand that people are working hard at the minute and and no matter who's going to be in charge you still have a limited number of staff you still have a limited number of hours in the day to manage this and it is a tough That's job an interesting question because i don't think so i don't think there's anything that contradicts that but it is an interesting question you bring up which is essentially what is the appropriate emotional attitude to the government at the moment? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, is it one of sympathy or one of rage? And it sort of splits people down in the middle. Yeah. Half people think, oh, it's a, it's a national emergency. They're trying their hardest. And other people, half the other people think sort of like, oh, this is incompetence and they deserve to be shat on and all that sort of nonsense. Um, and it's interesting. I, don't, I, think, I think the... I don't know. I don't know what the, actually, the right one is. I think you're more sympathy... 
yeah. think I'm intuitively more rage, but I should I know I should have more sympathy. I think it, I, I think you're right, but I think you're looking at it unnecessarily from an emotional standpoint, and I think it would be more looking at it as should you scrutinise government or should you? I mean, to be fair, this is you know, but but like be empath- empathetic on a human level to the work that they have to do, and it's like I suppose you could even see it as like a personal versus a professional sort of thing. It's like professionally they are the government and. They have to be held to account because they have, you know, a lot of power. And that's how things work is that, you know, you need to hold those people to account. But on the other hand, they are people at the end of the day with limited numbers of hours in the day yeah, and a limited number of staff under them. It's like, mm-hmm. should, yeah. you, should, you be, should you be thinking that thing about them actually being people? Or, you know, yes. <laughs> or should you? And, you know, does that, does that imply a degree of sympathy? Um, I think it's interesting, though, because that is... A, They're that, not mutually exclusive, is what, what I'm saying. No, I know point- that's what I'm agreeing with you. I, I'm, oh, right. okay, I'm, good, I'm okay. saying they're not mutually exclusive. Like, of course, we should do the first thing about scrutinising the government. Yes. Um, and that's a given. But then, what is the appropriate? Like, you know, do we? If if you, and of course they are people. Let's, let's not forget that. Um, <laughs> but do we? Um, you know, does that? Should we put some sort of blame on them, or should there be some more sympathy? Do you see what I mean? Those yeah. are they're two yeah. distinct questions, and like, it's it's interesting about what people think about that. Yeah, um, I think people, and as you say, I think some people lean one way, some people lean the other, and some people will kind of see both sides. I think the the right, and as you said, I think we, we kind of see it as you you can do both, and I think you probably should do both um, because you yep. know it is a difficult it is a, a difficult situation you're in, uh, but that doesn't excuse making you know poor choices and not holding them to account because you know the, the minute you stop scrutinizing them, they make even worse decisions. So there's that. So yeah, no, I think we we, we are all in agreement on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. the last one, which um, the last sort of controversy around government communications is the, um, the 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 advert about Fatima's next job could be in cyber. She just doesn't know it yet, which I think went went you know all over the internet a, a few weeks ago. How long was it? The beginning of October, wasn't it? It's so about a month ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you think about this? Do you think that this was just just John Nelson? What do you think? Poor or what? So so it was apparently it was part of a series, but. Surely someone would have seen that the arts are going under. Let's maybe not push this, push this particular advert right now. Mm. It's, it's, the timing was spectacular. I believe it was in the week where there was massive discussions about whether to bail out the likes of the National Theatre and, su- and support arts, theatres, museums. So surely someone in government or in the department responsible would have gone... No, let's not publish this one. Not no, not this week. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, the the government's line on this, or at least Oliver Dowden's, uh, who's the culture secretary, his reply to this was basically, "Wasn't me." Um, which is <laughs> it was a partner campaign allegedly. Yeah, which is an interesting tactic when you're the minister. But um, I, I, yeah, I, I don't really know. It's it's an interesting one. I mean, I suppose I understand what you're saying, and I understand what you you brought up was that it was another company that was doing that advertising. But surely, at the end of the day, as the minister, you are responsible for what happens in your department mm-hmm. and what happens on the behalf of your part uh, department. Oh, even well, if you Gavin personally, yeah. even if you personally didn't sign off on something, the whole point of having a department head is that you should be overseeing that, employing the right people, putting trust in them. And if that doesn't happen, you you know fall on your sword. That that was a maybe now an old fashioned. Um, approach to government and, and, yeah. and politics, but maybe that's that's been slowly on its way out and pushing other people under the bus to save your political career is all the rage now. 
Um, <laughs> you sound so old, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I do. You sound I like Charles Moore better. doing a grumpy spectator <laughs> column. <laughs> You're right. I uh, could have probably worded that better. Yeah. It's true, though. It, it's all the, it started maybe it's like phones. Theresa um, May. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's all the newfangled <laughs> technology. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, um, for someone yeah. so young, yeah, I you've got an old man's be. voice. I have, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just tired. You I'm really just tired of all of it. Um, yeah. What does anybody disagree with that? Do you think that that's maybe not the no, way? No, I actually that... agree with you, but I think you're, you're leading on to a bigger discussion about ministerial responsibility, which I think we don't really have time yeah. for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best case in that, though, isn't it? It's the Gavin Williamson thing. You know, the exams. Yeah, off call. Yeah. Oh yeah, just, just that was a mess. That was unbelievable. But yeah, it's a Johnson thing, isn't it? It's a Johnson prizing loyalty above competence and scrapping ministerial responsibility in the name of loyalty. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I, I just think that I don't really, not in a rude way, I just don't really care about the ad campaign. I just thought it was hilarious. I thought it was such like a, it's such like a, a no. the whole retraining thing was such a classic government blunder into tech. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like, oh, maybe you could learn AI. And maybe you could become a billionaire in Silicon Valley. I mean, the next generation of tech entrepreneurs could be doing ballet. Yeah, it's just like such. I, nice. Go on, what are you going to say? The, the parodies it, were amazing. I find it so ironic that a conservative government that supposedly values liberty and, you know, making your own choices and, you know, lack of state intervention and all of that <laughs> was their, their government campaign was do, do the work that we want you to do because yeah. the work that you want to do isn't available anymore they yeah. start telling ballerinas to go be farmers i mean the answers to that questionnaire were just absolutely nonsensical it was the worst bit of central planning i've ever seen um yeah and that's 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 part of why it made me laugh so much is there is that like the conservative government trying to do you know what is sort of like central planning and um yeah central plan yes exactly it's yeah. so entertaining but the, the the irony was clearly lost on them as well um, but oh, yeah, they've done some good ones though. There've been some funny moments over the pandemic. At yeah. some point, mm. um, maybe something a bit more cheery than me just depressingly talking into a microphone about about the good old days of ministerial responsibility. <laughs> the good old days. Um, yeah, but no, I, I I just yeah, as you say, I think that you one of those blokes who sort of bangs their mic when it's not working. Is that what we hear at the start of the podcast? <laughs> I've just edited out the bit where I'm tapping the, the, the webcam to see if it was working. You get your grandson into plug in the USBs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it wasn't plugged in. Actually, <laughs> actually I, I'm not even kidding. Last time when we recorded this, um, I, I was halfway through it. I was halfway through talking and I noticed that the um, plug for the microphone wasn't in and we'd rec- been recording halfway through it and I had to try and act as if everything was okay. So if the audio was slightly off in the last one of these, it was because um, I know... And if you actually watch the video, you might even be able to notice me looking at it and losing my train of thought. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. I think that's probably, probably that's good it. enough, though. Yeah. But... So that's it. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Politics Unpacked. Join us next time where I hopefully remember to actually plug in the microphone and hit record.